you will turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. In Romans 7 verse 24, the Word of God says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? With all due respect, that is a real downer of a statement. But in Romans chapter 8, in verses 1 through 4, the Word of God tells us exactly who will deliver us from this body of death. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We can be more than conquerors. If I could summarize Romans 8, 1 through 4 in one short sentence. In Christ we are more than conquerors over sin and death. In Christ we are more than conquerors over sin and death. Four verses and only four verses we'll be studying from Romans 8 this evening. Having surveyed the chapter this morning with its 39 verses, tonight let's focus up close and personal on Romans 8, 1 through 4, and what they say about how in Christ we can be more than conquerors over sin and death. Look at verse 1, and let me kind of give you the outline we will use the structure for our study tonight. In Romans 8 and verse 1, there is a glorious fact. A glorious fact. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8 and verse 2, there is the perfect explanation For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. In Romans 8, 8 and verse 3, continuing into verse 4, there is the divine cause. The divine cause of this no explanation. This great explanation, this no condemnation rather. And it's God. It's what God does in Jesus. And then at the conclusion of Romans chapter 8 and verse 4, there is the practical result about how we should live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No one can study Romans 8 or any other passage in much detail without deciding that Salvation is a Trinitarian affair. 
We often think about the Father and what He does in sending Jesus and the Son and what He does in dying. But Romans 8 makes it very clear that the Spirit is involved in our salvation and sanctification. And to that, we should say, Amen. No doubt about it. Salvation is a Trinitarian affair. Now, let's go back and look a little more closely at those four considerations. There's the glorious fact. There is therefore. Mark it. Circle it. There is therefore now. Therefore is an important transition statement. We need to understand it. It carries a lot of weight. There's therefore now, in contrast to other times, there is therefore now no. N-O. No, 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 a thousand times no. It's emphatic as it can be. There is therefore now no condemnation. More about that word in just a minute. You see, sin's a deal breaker. Because of sin, we can use the expression, if you do the crime, you do the time, and the time is death. Eternal death. And then one reads Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation. Look at Romans chapter 5 verses 16 and 18. Romans 5.16 and 18. One man's sin led to the eventual condemnation of all. See the passages, Romans 5, 16 and 18. And in a very familiar passage, Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin is death. Condemnation. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. Not only is there no condemnation, there's victory over sin and death. There's victory over sin and death. More than conquerors we can be. And notice the last expression there. To them that are in Christ. There is no way to emphasize this expression enough. Outside of Christ, there is condemnation. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is sin and death. 
this expression has found 164 times in the New Testament, most often in the writings of Paul. 164 times. And I'm almost hesitant to try to describe it because I don't want to so analyze it, I sterilize it. It is such a living, intimate thing to be in Christ. It makes all the difference between condemnation and life. Condemnation and glory. And condemnation and the assurance of God that we can be with Him forevermore in Christ. Think of this, 2 Timothy 2.10. Salvation is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have been done away. All has become new. Think of Romans 6.11. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God. Just a few of the passages that stress, that emphasize this in Christ Relationship. Now let me try to describe it without sterilizing it. It has to do with the loving commitment we make to God on the basis of Jesus dying for our sins. To be in Christ. And one will notice throughout Romans 8 this in Christ relationship and how important it really is. And in conjunction with this, it talks about our being in Christ and the Holy Spirit being in us. What a tremendous way of speaking about God being involved in our salvation, all to the glory of the Father. A glorious truth there is in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. That brings me to that second area. From Romans 8 and verse 2. Romans 8 and verse 2. There is a perfect explanation. A perfect explanation that's going to be given. For, see that word? It's a connecting term. What he's just said about no condemnation in Christ links with this. For, he links being in Christ with life in the Holy Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, 
Not only is there no condemnation in Christ, there is liberation and deliverance. Romans 8 verse 2. Now the law was good. Romans 7 and verse 12 tells us that. The law was good and holy. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is better than the law. The old law. The law, the old law was to point to what would come in Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. A few observations about verse 2. Observation number one. Law can sometimes refer to the Old Testament. Often it does. Law can sometimes in the New Testament refer to a principle or a power by which we live our lives. There may be some different viewpoints as to the law here, but one thing is certain. A person coming from a Jewish background to understand Jesus would have understood law, sin, and death. And they would have understood that pretty well. You'd have been talking their language. Because they understood that with sin and one's inability to keep the law perfectly, there would come death. Correspondingly, there's this emphasis. You are speaking distinctly Christian language when you talk about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And you are talking about freedom. Look in your Bible, and really what we're talking about here is this. The gospel given to us of Jesus by the Holy Spirit liberates us from slavery, delivers us to freedom. In 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we see something of the Spirit in the New Covenant in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Good passages to jot down here by Romans 8 and verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. And I want you to know the only way anyone's ever going to know liberty and freedom from sin and death is through Jesus Christ and His gospel. There is no other provision made. Not the old law, no principle or power by which you live your life can deliver you from sin and death. Only Jesus and His gospel can. What a practical book Romans is. And what a majestic chapter Romans 8 is in particular. Now, look at Romans 8, 3 and 4. We move quickly. In Romans 8, verses 3 and 4, we have the divine cause... For our being more than conquerors over sin and death. 
We have the divine cause, C-A-U-S-E. And notice how verse 3 begins. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. God initiates the salvation which we can have in Christ. God initiates in His grace the fact that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. What God has done, the law weakened by the flesh, I'll tell you what, the law weakened by the flesh of men and women who couldn't keep it perfectly. The law had a purpose, but the law's purpose was to lead us to Christ. Romans 10, verse 4. And when you look at verse 3, it talks about God's initiative. The fathers, the sons, the spirits' initiative. So we would be people who could overcome sin and death. And then five expressions follow in verses 3 and 4. What did God do? If God caused us, He's the divine cause of, of having this freedom and this liberty and this no condemnation. What did He do? How did He go about it? Would you please be more specific? And five expressions are given by Paul. Bam, 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 bam just so we can see what God did. Number one, He sent His own Son. You talk about sacrificial love. God commends His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. Even when we were enemies, He died for us. Romans 5 and verse 10. When we were ungodly and without strength, Romans 5 and verse 6, God sends His Son. A pathetic state it was condemned. Now emphatically not, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. How glad we should be God sent His Son. Number two. Look at Romans 8, 3 and 4 for these five expressions right out of God's Word. In the likeness of sinful man. That deals with all kinds of early heresies and false teaching which have modern day counterparts and cousins today. The Son was sent, the Son of God. And he was sent here in the likeness of sinful man. First of all, that means God put on flesh the incarnation. John 1, 1 through 18 is very much biblical material. When we talk about Jesus, we are talking about one who is fully human, yet without sin. We must not fail to stress the humanity of Jesus. We must not fail to stress the sinlessness of Jesus. And we must not fail to biblically stress the deity of Jesus. He's one man with two natures, human and divine. Human 
like us. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, yet without sin. Deity, fully God, whatever makes God, God, Jesus has it, and He has it perfectly and fully. John 1, 1 through 18, and Colossians 1, 15 through 20. You look at this passage, and it says so much, in the likeness. He looked like any other person, but he was far from it. In the likeness of sinful man, but he was not sinful. He was sinless. And not only does he look like a man, inherent in him is the form of God. Philippians 2, 5-11. through Y'all having fun yet? I'm about to. Let's go on and look at another idea, a third truth. In God taking the initiative. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Jesus came to give Himself as an offering for sin. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29 People who are no longer condemned because of sin can know life and glory and the assurance of a home forever with God. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? He gave Himself as a propitiation for our sins. 1 John 2 and verse 2. 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10. Keep looking at the passage, number 4. He condemned sin in the flesh. God sent His Son who by the sinlessness of His life condemned sin in His flesh so that we might know no condemnation. That's what Jesus came to do according to the great plan of God to save us. And then notice finally, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Jesus had no sin but ours. And we'll have no hope whatsoever of righteousness and no condemnation unless we look to Him. That God might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Him. Romans 3, 24 through 26. Now look at verse 4 with me, and especially that in order to type of statement or something like that in your particular translation. The practical result. In order that the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us, and that not walking according to the flesh, we would walk according to the Spirit. 
follow along here. Open your Bibles to Romans 5 and verse 5. While the, the Bible often talks about the love of God or the love of Christ, notice Romans 5 and verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. So the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to know God's love too. Amen. Turn to Romans 14, 17. Romans 14, 17. Think about this and its application to Romans 8 and verse 4 and walking in the Spirit. Romans 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's no condemnation in Christ because we are made right with God through Him. There's peace with God, Romans 5, 1 and 2. And there should be joy unspeakable. 1 Peter 1 and verse 8. Look at Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You know, I realize some people get uncomfortable when you talk about the Holy Spirit, but you cannot deal with Romans 8 without dealing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never operates in any way contrary to Scripture. The Holy Spirit works in our lives in conjunction with God's Word to help us be the kind of people God would want us to be. Just as the Spirit works in conjunction with the Son and as the Spirit works in conjunction with the Father that we should no longer walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And this passage, far from teaching any kind of try-harder-do-better approach to Christianity, is really saying, thank God that there's no condemnation in Christ. And if you really are in Christ and the Spirit really does dwell within you, live in such a way as to show that. Produce the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians 5 and verse 26. What a great passage Romans 8, 1 through 4 is. A lost, sinful, dying world needs to know that there's victory over sin and death. But it's in Christ. Thank you for listening. We will continue, Lord willing, the study of Romans 8. 
There will be at least six more lessons. That's what my plan is, sermonically, to preach through Romans 8 in eight total lessons. And I guess we can call them the great eight because it's about a great chapter. For those that are not Christians, come to Jesus through faith, repentance, and baptism. Respond to His grace. The obedience of faith is for you here. And for those of us who are Christians, let's not walk according to the flesh. That's how we used to walk. Why don't we walk more in accordance with the Spirit? To show that we really do belong to God because we love Him. Let us stand and sing.